So just before we continue to worship, I want to welcome you. If you're visiting Spruce Grove Community Church, we're glad to have you. You know, this, uh, this, this truth here sort of illustrates one of the foundational cornerstone realities in the kingdom of God. And Jesus said this. He said, it's the spirit that gives life. It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And, uh, you know, when we read the scripture, sometimes we think, well, I need to be this good person that's defined through all these scriptures, all these things saying, do this, don't do this, be like this, have this attitude, have this mind, think like this, feel like this. It's impossible for you to do those things. It's impossible for you to live up to that standard. What God said, listen, it's not about you doing what is right. It's about you letting something flow through your life that produces that inside of you. The righteousness of God, the nature of God, the attitudes of God are the byproduct of living and moving in the river of life. So he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up something inside of you. I'm going to put my seed inside of you. I'm going to put my life inside of you. And I'm going to give you the capacity to let that life flow through you every day of your life, to to release that life through you. And that life will produce in you the attitudes, the thoughts, the behaviors, that are equal to your Father, that are the same as what is in your Father. And so if you find yourself today falling short of that standard, you don't have to condemn yourself. We already know you can't do it. I already know that in my flesh dwells no good thing. But I put my confidence in this, that he that began a good thing in me will complete it. So we say in the name of Jesus, let the river flow. We say today, Lord, that it's you that we need. It's your life flowing through us. The flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that gives life. We put our confidence in your spirit, oh God, inside of us. We say, let it rise. Let the spirit of God rise inside of us. Let the spirit of God well up inside of us today in Jesus' name. Just keep singing this. Just keep singing this. What the dancers are illustrating is the stirring up, not of emotion, but of hope. That what they're doing is stimulating and uh, reflecting the fountain that springs up from inside you. It says, where is the victory? It's even in your mouth. We're not trying to stimulate your emotion by these songs, but there's a river inside of in you that says, the Lord will save. The Lord is victorious. That's what changes your mind from negative to positive. It's not about emotion being the catalyst. It's about the truth of what's inside of you. So when we say salvation belongs and he will save, we are declaring the ultimate reality. We're going to sing this part again that says he will save. And I want you to say it as though it were true. As though the victory was just inches away from your life. Whatever, is, whatever seems discouraging, whatever circumstances seem heavy, I want you to war against those circumstances by declaring the reality. He will save. He will save. He will save. Let's do that together.
God is doing that. But he's not doing it from heaven. He's doing it from earth. It's happening because of what comes out of you. One more time. Faith releases the spirit of resurrection that's inside of you. We declare to the world around us, every winding road, you will be made straight and narrow. One more time. Valleys high. Now we're going to conclude this in just a minute. But this is the reality, and I, I may share more about it later. But the scripture says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You know, sometimes our minds flip from optimism to pessimism and optimism to pessimism. And sometimes it's because somebody comes along and just gives us the right arguments. They stimulate hope by saying hopeful things. Don't rely on that. That's not the objective of the Word of God in your life. The Word of God in your life is not to change your mindset from pessimism to optimism. It's to change the source of your hope from circumstance to Him. And your spirit taps into who He is and where He is, not the circumstances that could be better. Did you hear what A hopeful, optimistic mind weighs the information and decides to be positive. The spirit, we're not weighing information. We're weighing just who he is, the reality of who he is. And that is a kind of information, but it's a different kind of information. And it's, that's why he says, where is the victory? It's near you. Where is it then? He says, even in your mouth, because out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. And the heart is connected to who God is. And that's why we're saying, God, you, you, you are the victor. Nothing can stop you. And so on the count of three, I want us to release a shout. You know, when Israel was commanded to shout, like before Jericho, they hadn't won anything, right? They hadn't, they hadn't, the walls were there. They still can't climb them. The cities were huge. You know, the people were, were massive. And yet he said, shout. After you go around, sometimes I want you to shout. Well, what for? Shouldn't we shout after the victory? No, the shout is the victory. It's not the shout of optimism. It's the shout of faith. So we want to, we want to, I want you to picture your Jericho before you. Whatever it is that discourages you, whatever it is that says it's never going to happen, nothing's going to change, things will continue as they are, it's hopeless, it's whatever it is. I want you to see that and I want you to shout at it. I want you to declare to the mountain, grace, grace. On the count of three, we are declaring the spirit of resurrection inside of us is greater than the spirit of death that's all around us. One, two, three. Hey! In the name of Jesus, God is...
right. How's everybody doing today? I want to say to you that God is shifting our foundation, our measurement, what we're using to measure. You know, it says uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says that the fivefold ministry, apostles, pastors, teachers, uh, evangelists, are given for the maturing of the body of Christ. And it says, till we come to what? To the measure of Christ, to the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. So what are we, what are we being made like? Christ. Not many Christ. Not a lesser version, not half, but the same impact. So what we're looking in for in our lives is the same impact that Jesus had. And, and so we should always be going back to that. And that should not produce in us shame. That should not produce in us a sense of, you know, uh, I'm a loser or I quit. Or it shouldn't produce in us anger. If it does produce anger, it means you thought you were already there. And somebody's poking your little balloon. And we need our little balloons poked. But we need to be constantly reminded that we are moving towards something. And that thing that we're moving towards is not just a better version of you. It's not a more improved, improved version of Gord. That'd be great for Cher. But what the world needs is a version of Christ, the manifestation of Christ out of our lives. So what God is trying to do is not to change you to make you better, but to replace you with the image of Christ. So the character that we're looking for, the power we're looking for, the influence we're looking for is equal to him. And that's why he said, be perfect as I am perfect. Right? But so, Father, right today, we just pray that we would allow that substitution. We would allow that exchange inside of us that we would be able to say, like Paul, I no longer live. It is Christ who lives in me. Lord, and yet even he said, I don't consider that I've already attained or I've already arrived. So, Lord, we say more. We want more. We, want, we don't want to let ourselves off the hook. We don't want to be patting ourselves constantly on the back because we are a better version of ourselves. But we want to be like you. So, Lord, we turn our eyes to you and we say, be the measure, be the standard. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week we talked about this, and um, I'll just remind you of some of the things, if I can remember some of the things we covered. But basically, uh, the idea was that, that there, is, there is a power in Christ that is supreme. And it says, whatsoever, John said this in First John, he said, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And that's a beautiful promise, but... Um, if you want a lesser version of Jesus in your life, it's debilitating because it keeps telling you that what you have is not enough. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to get ourselves to the place where we become accountable to that simple truth. Is what I'm doing, is what we're doing as a church, is my influence in my workplace, is, is my influence in my industry, is my, is my, uh, is my, uh, my, my, my love, is it able to overcome the world or is it always being set back? Am I always encountering people I can't love or can I just love anybody? Do I overcome the world around me or is the world always pushing me back into a corner? And that's the question. Whatever's born of God overcomes the world. And so, again, it's, it's, a, 
It's the litmus test of what it is you're using to overcome the world. And this is the journey that we're in because we were born with this default setting. This is really what the the two trees is really about. Where is he? Andrew? Where's Andrew? Okay, this is what the two trees is really about, Andrew. We were born into death and Christ brought us life. Life overcomes death. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't overcome it. And so the litmus test that we are actually releasing light is that the darkness dissipates. The proof that what we have is born of God is that it overcomes the world. And so we're always coming back to this, this evaluation. There's not five or six or seven or a hundred or a thousand different measures of evaluation. There's one. Does the darkness recoil before the light? Does life overcome death? Am I, is my life an exhibition of the manifestation of Jesus Christ in that the power of God just causes the world around me to change and align and recoil? Does it or does it not? And the truth is, we come to these places where, well, it isn't. And so we have to say, okay, what is it am I, am I releasing then? Because I'm trying my best, right? I'm sincere. I said in the name of Jesus, right? I prayed. I asked for God's grace. And so it's not a question of well, feeling guilty when we don't have the influence of saying, why don't I? It's a, it, it's a guiltless question. There's no shame involved. It's, it's a matter of, it's kind of like this, you know, when, when you go to your, you say, I, you know, you ask somebody, I like cream and sugar in my coffee. You shouldn't do that. Shouldn't have sugar in your coffee, but you know, uh, some guy I knew recently was putting five, five teaspoons. Oh, it's terrible. Anyway, you drink it, and if it's not enough, if there's not enough sugar that meets the measure of what you want, what do you do? You say, "Can you put a little more sugar in this?" Right. That's so. In the same way, God is saying, "Listen." The measure that I'm looking for is that which overcomes the world. And when you do something and it doesn't overcome the world, then put more of me in it. Put more of me in it. And then the question becomes, well, God, and this is our journey. How do I put more of me, you in it, and less of me? And all of a sudden, you start seeing, wow, there's this biblical language that we've always used. You know, he must increase and I must decrease. What does that, what does that mean? It means less of your power and more of his power will make it the winning combination. And so what God is doing in our lives is he's bringing us into little victories Right? He's bringing us into the place where we, where we overcome something or things start to align. He says, that, hey, great, that's, that's great. You're, you're overcoming that. You're overcoming sin in your life. You're, overcoming, you're starting to have influence. That's excellent, but don't stop there because I'm going to bring you into greater challenges because I want to change the whole world. I want to change everything. And so I, I love that the, the songs we were saying this morning, the first one about the, the life, the theme of it is great. Second one there, you know, he's making streams in the desert. What once was lost has been found. These are very hopeful words, but more than that, they're declaring the outcome we're looking for. And I can't remember the, all the words of it, but he's making the low places high, right? And he's, he's bringing the mountains low. And every crooked path, he's making straight, you know, in what context? It's meant to happen in every context. 
And what we see from a macro standpoint, when you look at the world, when you look at the Western civilization and how it was the sort of the beacon light of justice and prosperity and all the rest of it for many years, it was because people at the core of that civilization released the substance of God that caused the mountains to come low and the valleys to come up and every crooked path straight. And when we start seeing in our nation mountains rise up, that, that cannot be brought low. When we start to see low places that cannot be brought up, when we start to see crooked paths prevailing, it's the evidence that we need more of him and less of us. And so this is the litmus test. This is the measure that God says, listen, if you want to be my child, I'm not asking you to be perfect today. What I'm saying is at least grab a hold of my measuring stick and apply that to your life consistently. Without shame, but just on a regular basis. Don't be afraid of that measure. I want you to turn to something here. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. I want, to, I want to hit on something related to this, connected to this, and uh, some of the nuances of this life that we're called to. Uh, uh, we, want to we want to touch on this. We may touch it again on it next week and the week after. But uh, regardless, there's this great promise in here. How many of you are familiar with Romans chapter 8? This is a great promise. This is what it says. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. That's a great promise. Let's read it again. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. You know, and what what happens is we pull that scripture out when things aren't going well, right? You know, it's a great thing to, no, hey, 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 this is the way it should go, you know, because this is the promise. And and so we we say this all the time, that this is, should be what happens. But sometimes after even saying that, it doesn't change. And I want to tell you why. Do you want to know why? Because there's a whole lot of words before that that are important. So let's go back to the the words before this and start reading in verse 18. Because that statement there is, is, is the outcome of conditions being met. All right? So it's not something you just throw at your problems in order to erase them. It is the manifestation of a sequence of events that results in, boom, that. And so it says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Wow, sufferings, that's not so great, but the glory part sounds great. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now, let's just stop there for a second. He is giving us a macro picture of time. He's basically saying, and there's a lot of other verses, and I I don't want to go to them all right now, but it's something we've got to keep throwing out to us because... What were you made of? Well, like when we came from Adam, we were made of the dust of the earth, right? We are from the dirt. We are from the earth. Now, in the kingdom of God, God has said, I'm going to redeem the earth one piece of dirt at a time. 
And what he's done is he's redeeming you. He's redeeming us as having come from the earth. But his intent is that the whole earth will be liberated from the thing that we have been liberated from, which is death, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that has come into creation, brought death. We are being liberated from that. But he says, this is what Paul says, but hey, it's not just you that's being set free, that the intention of God is to set all creation free. All creation is being set free. But he gives us a real important key in here. He says, listen, the creation itself, and I mean, there's amazing stuff. I love this. The creation is aware of its condition. The creation itself is groaning. Did you know creation is groaning? So there has to be some kind of, you know, self-awareness on some level, right, within creation, that it knows that there is a promise and it's longing for that promise. It may not be intelligence like you have, but there is some level of, you know, the Bible just isn't poetic, poetic. These are realities, but the creation itself is longing. And what is it longing for? It's a longing for the manifestation of the sons of God. Well, what are they going to do? Let's go back to the initial principle. I remember years ago hearing a fellow preach on this, and I remember it was, it was just so much in line with what God was doing in my life in the same area, because every time I was you know, trying to overcome things. And the Lord said, yeah, your strength is no good. It needs to be my strength. And the, 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 the proof of which strength you're using is failure or success. And so there, there's a scripture and it says this, for this purpose was God, the son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the evil one. How many of you know that? I think it's John 3, 8. I think it is. Somewhere around there. It is First John. John had the most amazing revelation about the patterns of the kingdom of God. I love it. But he says, he says this is the purpose, that, that the manifestation of God would come to destroy the works of the evil one. And this guy was preaching to say, essentially, the truth is this. It's kind of like when the light shines in the darkness. That when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness is undone. It, is, it recoils. It's set back. It disappears. It's penetrated. It can't it can rebuff. It can't return. It has no defense. And he says this, he says, the manifestation of Christ destroys the works of the wicked one. Let me say that again. It's the same as the other scripture. That which is born of God overcomes the world. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't overcome it. The manifestation of God, the manifestation of Christ destroys the works of darkness. And so what God is trying to do is say, he says, listen, it doesn't matter what's wrong with your life. It doesn't matter what, you know, all the things that you would rather be fixed and that your spouse would rather be fixed, that your parents would like to go away. It's true, and those are valid concerns. But the way that it's going to happen is not you managing those issues, but through the manifestation of Christ. And what God is, God is saying, listen, the whole creation is waiting for this moment. But it's not waiting for just the return of Jesus because Jesus is sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God till his enemies be made his footstool. So he's like, yeah, I'm not coming back until it's done. What? I thought you were doing it. No, no, no. You are doing it. The creation is waiting until we begin to manifest Christ. You can't act that good. We're not talking about you pretending to be like God. We're talking about the manifestation of God. This is, this is the divide that we're coming to because the religious mindset says, says, I need to do things better. It's not about doing things better. It's about manifesting Christ. When, 
some of us are more in control of our lives. You know, we've, been, we've grown up in healthy environments. We maybe had a, you know, uh, training. We've had functional adults around us. And so, you know, we have intelligence. We have willpower. We, you know, we can produce a better version of a good person. That's not what we're talking about. God is not asking you to produce the better version of a good person. He said, listen, you are so lost that you are beyond hope. And so I've, I, 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 set the, I put the law out there to show you that you can't even do it. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a seed and I'm going to put it in the dirt that is in your life. And that seed is the DNA of my son. And the DNA of my son is going to produce in you my son. Now, what we get caught up is, is you know, as we're going along, we're saying, oh, people really love when you're good. So I'm going to be good. Say, no, 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 you don't understand. You desiring the praises of men and the recognition and the, the esteem that comes from being more like Jesus than what you are is not the catalyst for this thing. That's ambition, and that will produce a form of godliness without the power. That's not what I want. What I want is for you to just provide space for a seed and that that seed would produce Jesus Christ, the image. It will, trans- it will manifest in you the nature of God. And that's what creation is waiting for. Creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. In other words, creation has this same measure. It understands that it can't change itself. It understands that death is over all of creation. What I'm waiting for is is the righteous ones to appear on the earth because when they appear, when they are complete, when they are mature, when Ephesians 4, 12 is completed and there's a people that rise up in the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ, that's going to be the moment when ultimate death recoils and life is manifest. And that's the moment when Jesus says, okay, I'm coming back. That's where we're going. That's what this is all about. But along the way, we keep getting deluded by that religious spirit that says, you know, a better version of yourself will give you short-term game that is almost as good. At least people won't know, except your wife, your husband, the people who see you behind the shimmering curtains of life when you are really who you are. See, I don't want to live that duality. I don't want to live that life where, where I'm just trying to be a better version of myself. I want transformation. I have tried to be a better version of myself, and I'm not good at it because the real me keeps sticking his head out. <laughs> but there's... So I just want to pray right now. Father, may we understand the power... God, we keep reaching in to this behavioral transformation well. If I just change the way I'm acting, God, yet it is transformation that comes from the seed of life. It is the manifestation of God because you, the divine one, the great one, you, the ancient of days, have taken the the DNA, the very image of your son, and you breathed it into us, the word of God, the resurrection power of Christ that raised him from the dead and overcame death is inside of us. God, we want this to furnish the necessary strength to bring forth the image of Christ. Father, change the source of our faith. I pray in Jesus' name. See, what preaching is, preaching is to change your confidence. Not to, you can do this. No, you can't do this. But what about the scripture says, I can do this through Christ. Yes, through Christ. But there is a fine line between you doing it and doing it through Christ. 
That's why Paul said, said, it's not me, it's him. Have you ever been complimented for something and you feel really good about that? I remember I used to do that all the time. I loved it. You know, I loved the, yeah, hey, you're really good at that. Well, thank you. That joy for the praise is the evidence that you were owning that. Because I'd started to discover as I moved along and actually Christ began to manifest in him that when, when I got praise for things that I knew instinctively that were the manifestation of him, I couldn't take credit for it. And it wasn't I said, yeah, stop complimenting me. I didn't, you know, I'm not going to be rude about it, but it's just the acknowledgement inside me. No, it's not me. I know what me can do. This is him. This is him. Well, we're called to love everybody. That's such a hard thing. Yeah, you can't do it. You can't. Now, some of you that really need to be loved and therefore you are driven to pretend like you love everybody are in a quandary because you look better than you are. And so God needs to, yeah, if I, I just need to tear down that image, that version of you that you're so proud of. I need to tear that down because it needs to be me. It needs to be me. It needs to be me. So this is sort of the macro picture that Romans is giving us. And I, I encourage you, meditate on that. Because if you want to know where you're supposed to be going in your life in terms of what's the overall plan of God and you being on the earth, it's contained in this here. Okay? Because the creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of the corruption of God, uh, of the corruption and into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So he goes on in verse 22, and he says, For we know with the whole... Uh, creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. So that's great. Creation is groaning. Creation is moving towards this thing. It's longing. It's, it's reaching. It's yearning. But not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of the body. Wow. So he's saying, listen, that thing that's in creation is also inside of you. There, because when God put that put that DNA in you and cause the process of life, you know, it's happening quite distinct from you in one sense. It's kind of like a woman that's pregnant. You know, once that, that baby starts to form inside of you, it is another person. Not in a schizophrenic way, but, but, but God has, there is another nature in you that has its own desires, that has its own life that has its own power, and it is growing inside of you. Meanwhile, you're trying to make the old guy look better. But eventually, here's what maturity looks like. You get to the point where some of the new man starts to come forward. You think, man, that was so easy as compared to managing the old man. And once you start to actually see that, you, you're, you're starting to come into maturity. You're starting to have these, getting to appreciate, oh, that's what maturity looks like. Maturity is not me putting forward my, you know, my, a better effort. And there's times when you have to say no to sin. There's times when you have to say no to temptation. That's, that's clear. That's obvious. But the manifestation of Jesus is not because you have put on the right face. You know what I'm saying? I hate that. I, I hate that version of Christianity that, that is me presenting the best version of myself. And it takes the spiritual man to see the difference between you presenting the best version of yourself and the manifestation of Christ. 
And when Jesus came, when he came to the culture, he saw a people inundated in a philosophy that was called, listen, you get ahead in this culture by putting your best foot forward. And Jesus said, listen, this is a deception from top to bottom. These guys, the very best of you, they are the very worst of you. What? He said, no, this is not the kingdom of God. This is nothing like what I've ordained. I am transforming you with an eternal power, the resurrection life, my word, eternity, the same word that I created all the constellations and the universe with. That power is at work inside of you. And the only issue is, what are you drawing on to be like Christ? Your acting skills, right? Your ability to suppress your real desires. You know, again, we go back to the thing, and I, I'm, 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 I think it's so impossible, but Jesus on the cross, right? He's on the cross. They're killing him. They're defiling his name. They're dishonoring him. In the most, and he said, Lord, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And if that were us, we'd be like, I know the right thing is to, God, forgive them. No, God doesn't want you doing the right thing. I mean, he does, but he wants you to do it from the right power. And the right thing from the right power overcomes the world. The right thing from the wrong power is the world. And that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is death, which is the power of the kingdom of darkness, brings forth good and evil. And it's not the evil that, 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 that confuses us so much. It's the good of that tree. That's what Jesus came to when he saw the Pharisees and all of their good works. He said, this is, you guys are rotten to the core. Everything inside of you is about pride and ambition and glory. And you are using this false version of righteousness to subjugate a nation. I hate this. It's evil. Somehow we come into church and we think that's what we're supposed to be doing. It's not. We come by it honestly. The fallen nature has the power to put a good face or an evil face. And we can applaud the ones who more regularly put on the good face, but it's no better than the evil face. In fact, it's worse because of its deception, because it imitates and parrots, mimics, the version of righteousness that God means to bring forth from your life. And so what does he do? What does he do? Just when you think, you know, well, you know, I've made it to prayer three weeks in a row. I'm doing really good. And you're, you're starting to rejoice in, you know, you're, you, you, you're, you're putting the best foot forward. I don't want you to put confidence in your ability to put the best foot forward. So you having confidence in that is going to cause something to happen because God resists the proud. What does that mean? you won't be able to put your good foot forward for the next few days so that you can remember that there's a power that overcomes the world and there's a power that comes from you that is easily subdued by the spirit of the air that is no better than being Hitler. But is that, is that heavy? Listen, I want, God is wanting to free us from the sense of success and failure that comes from doing good or poorly. He wants us to find our fulfillment in his love and his forgiveness. The fact that he loved us enough to put something inside of us. So, 
Let's go on here. So we have this thing inside of us working and bringing us in a direction. It says, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. But why does one still hope for what he sees? But if hope, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So we're looking for something that we can't make happen. And a part of the test is, along the way, are you willing for a lesser version of that thing, which is something you can do, or are you patiently waiting for the fruit of that seed to produce in you the nature? Well, how do I even know what the difference is? And that's the hard part. You don't know the difference, but God is faithful to show you. And he brings a pastor along occasionally who shares a word that pokes your balloon that strips down your steam of that version of yourself that everybody else is clapping. Oh, you're doing so good. I want to be able to say, and we should be able to say, like Paul, it's not I, it's Christ. And when you are being praised for what you do, you will receive that praise and you will revel in it. But when you are being praised for what Christ did, there's an inherent recognition that, no, this is, this is not me. What I'm doing, I'm doing by the grace of God. So anyway, we're moving towards this verse, verse 28, right? And here's where it starts to come into focus. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, verse 28 happens because verse 26 and verse 27 are there. All things work together for good because God has put his spirit in you and that there is a groaning that you didn't even know is happening. You know, it's like the woman in her first trimester. You know, you're, you're pregnant, but, you know, something's happening, something's growing, but you don't even know it's there. Because it's, it's, hap- it's just happening on its own. And Now, this is where it gets a little complicated. So we're talking about a kind of intercession, a kind of praying, a kind of groaning, a kind of yearning that you may not be aware of. Well, how do I facilitate that? How do I give expression to that if I don't know what's there? Is it enough to just come to the prayer meeting and go, Are there appropriate facial expressions that would tell others that I'm doing it too? Or is it just praying in tongues? Is it praying in tongues? Is that that? Is the groaning and praying in tongues the same? Now, here's the power of this, and it overwhelmed me this morning in, in prayer. And, it, and I actually was with uh, somebody yesterday, Murray, we were driving to Vegreville, and we began praying, and it struck me again, you know, that the Holy Spirit makes intercession for you according to the will of God. He says, when we don't know how to pray, how, why, well, why don't we know how to pray? We know what we need. No, you don't. You know what you want. You know what you think you need. But the Spirit of God knows exactly the reasons why your life is going the direction it is. The Spirit of God knows exactly the things in your heart that he wants to bring an end to and the things he wants to breathe upon. 
The Spirit of God knows the circumstances that are going to come tomorrow that you are unaware of, that will challenge your faith, that will circumstances that will try to overcome you or destroy your life. The Holy Spirit knows these things before they come. Well, I, I'm just going to go right to the source, you know. And we know that all things work together for good. All things work together for good. All things work together for good. No, they don't. All things work together for good if you allow the Spirit of God to manifest the will of God in your life. And it starts by, A, an invisible level of groaning that you might not be aware of, and B, praying the mind of the Spirit. I remember a couple of years ago, a friend of mine was... A prophet came to him and and said, you know, you, uh, he started saying, you prayed this and you prayed this and you prayed this. And he thought to himself, he said, I never prayed for any of those things. And uh, and I can't remember whether he was talking to the prophet and asking him, but ultimately the answer came back whether the Spirit of God said to him, said, every time you prayed in tongues, you were praying the will of God for your future. Imagine if the things that will happen tomorrow... I mean, you don't know what circumstances are coming into your life. What if you could prepare yourself for it without knowing what's coming? You can't be that smart. I mean, you could try and cover every possible contingency, but it's, you know, it's vain. If the Holy Spirit could just go and pray exactly what you need for tomorrow, then all things will work together for good. These things are not, don't happen in a vacuum. They are the sequence of understanding the tools that are at work already inside of you. God is saying, listen, I put my spirit inside of you. My spirit knows my purpose. My, my spirit inside of you knows my will. My spirit inside of you knows what's happening tomorrow. My spirit inside of you knows the things in you that would, would, would shortcut my will in your life. And you can be praying all those things right now. Does that make you want to pray in tongues more? Yeah. You know, it's, not, it's not by accident that Paul prayed. Paul had a lot of trouble in his life, right? But he also prayed. He said, I, I pray more than you all. Well, he's talking about praying in tongues. Oh, yeah, he's an overachiever. I'm not, I'm not one of them. I'm just going to pray in tongues enough. I don't think that's the posture we want to take. What if all things that work together for good were the outcome of the simple obedience, just praying in tongues. See, the thing about praying in tongues, God is always giving you a volition, right? You see, you just, you just do it because you can. It's like kind of eating, you know. Sometimes we eat because we taste good, but if you're one of those people that have smoked all your life and you have no taste buds anymore, you eat to live. Whether you're eating to live or because it tastes good, eating helps you grow and stay alive. God is saying, listen, I've given you access to a river. I've given you access to a life, a stimulation power that will produce good things inside of you. And that, that, that the whole creation is waiting for that thing, but it must be perfected in you first and then the creation around you will get it. Now, when we were singing here today, we were saying, you know, about mountains being made low and valleys being made high. 
You may know right now what some of those valleys are. You may know what some of those mountains are. You may know what some of those crooked ways are. But chances are you don't know all of them. You certainly don't know all the devices that the enemy is preparing to trap you and destroy you. But what if you could undo all of them one at a time? What if you could, and and more than that, what if the power to lay barren all of the plans of the enemy, what if the power to create the kingdom of God on earth so that mountains are brought down and valleys are brought low are right here in this room? What if more than just my life getting ordered so everything works good for those who are called according to his purpose and that's me? What if we go, what if we could go beyond that? What if suddenly the alignment that God is bringing to his purpose in your life could filter past you and begin to affect a community around us? What if suddenly, you know, the, the, the crime rates and the drug addiction and the mental illness that's in our culture and in our society and in our town could start to be brought into alignment because of what is happening in your life? That's what we're talking about. That the closer you come to the manifestation of the fullness of the sons of God, the more the creation around you will start to align to that reality. That is the power of the manifestation of Christ. So God is saying, listen, don't substitute the measure of Christ for any other measure. I'm not satisfied, he says, for any lesser version of you or any greater version of you, or any lesser version of Christ. I want the manifestation of Christ in you. And that can only happen if you stay connected to the vine. If that thing that I put inside you just is staying connected, that river just flows, and the more you inundate yourself in the Spirit of God, this is why we worship, this is why we pray, this is why we pray in tongues. And there comes a time, and maybe some of you don't know, man, do I groan? Is there a groan inside of you? There is a groan inside of you, whether you know it or not. And the time is going to come when you begin to recognize that some of the, some of the even sometimes you just have this uncomfortable feeling inside of you, that was a groan. And later on, you're going to realize that that was actually like a birth pain for intercession. And you'll be able to align more perfectly with what's already happening in your life that brings forth the will of God in your life. Is there a place for saying no to sin and making a decision and doing what's right when you don't feel like it? Absolutely. But that is not the kingdom. That is only preparing the way for the kingdom. That's you just keeping the weeds out of your life. So that the grass has somewhere to grow. You need to do that because it's a demonstration of your desire for the right things, right? Well, when God's ready, you know, he'll come and deliver me from pornography. Until then, I'll just keep watching. No. There is a, tra- there is a shift of character that causes you to overcome. But it comes to those who are doing what they can do out of sincerity and desire. The mistake we made as religious people is to think that that effort is righteousness. That effort is not righteousness. It's just a manifestation of my desire for righteousness. Righteousness comes from the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit that gives life, the flesh, profits, nothing. And so I pray right now as we conclude this message, Father, our confidence that that which you began in us you will complete
Our confidence will be that our, our growth, our journey is not about a, producing a better version of ourselves by, by, by more effort, but, Lord, by making way, by drinking of the spirit of life, by, by letting that river flow through us and nourishing that seed that has the, the DNA, the attitudes, the heart, the emotions, the feelings, the, the desire, the will, the, the nature of Christ himself. Lord, we want Ah, we want to manifest Jesus. We want to manifest Jesus. And Father, right now, as so many of us are at a crossroads of frustration as we've battled with, Lord, different things, that we've tried to bring a governance to issues in our life, and we are being sidelined with shame and guilt and then, and then pride when we finally... Spend two days without giving life to that thing. God, I pray you deliver us from confidence in our effort to confidence that there is a power from on high that breathes life into us, that will bring forth a love we could never even imagine. The kingdom of God is in power. We long to see that power. Amen.